1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Began reading with verse number 14. Paul writes and he says, For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. So that there should be no schism or no division in the body. But that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. This morning I want to talk to you for a few moments about the value of teamwork. The value of teamwork. Let me remind you again, sermon notes are on the back of your bulletin. You're able to fill in the blanks and this will help you stay focused with us today and it will give you something to take home with you this morning. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord. We just pray that the word of God will do the intended work in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be reseated this morning. The Dallas Cowboys were picked to win the Super Bowl at the beginning of the season. We understand Dallas is a team with many star players, high-profile players, players like Tony Romo and Jason Witten and Miles Austin, DeMarcus Ware, Marion Barber, Felix Jones, to name a few. Dallas is in last place in their division with a dismal record of one win and six losses. That's until they lose again tonight. (laughs) The San Francisco Giants are world champions. Recently winning the 2010 World Series. Unlike the Dallas Cowboys, no, not even one person predicted them to even be in the World Series, let alone win it when they made their predictions at the beginning of their season. Sports writers have called them things like a no-name team compiled of a bunch of no-name players. They've been called a, bunch of team, a team of a bunch of cast-offs and misfits and, and has-beens. And yet the San Francisco Giants are the 2010 World Series winners. What is the difference in these two teams? In my opinion... 
It's teamwork. Teamwork. No one has ever won more NCAA National Basketball Championships than Coach John Wooden of the UCLA Bruins. Coach Wooden's philosophy of coaching? Teamwork. Sometimes he said that the very best players will be sitting on the bench. Coach Wooden said, I don't play the best players. He said, I play the five players on my team who best play together as a team and not as individuals. I want to talk to you this morning about the value of teamwork. Paul likened teamwork in our text today to a body. All members or parts of our natural body are important, but all members are also different and serve a different purpose or function. Our natural body works as a team. The eyes tell the rest of the body where to go and what to be looking out for. The legs and the feet of the body take the rest of the body where it wants to go. The mouth feeds the body and nourishes every single part of the body. And so also is the church likened to a body. The church should also operate like a team. Let's talk about teamwork for a while this morning. First of all, let's look at some examples of teamwork. Some examples of teamwork. In fact, the Bible is filled with examples of teamwork. How about the paralytic? In Mark chapter 2, the story is told about a man that was paralyzed. This man, the Bible said, had four friends who worked together as a team to take their friend to where that Jesus was. Individually and on their own, they could not have gotten their friend to Jesus. But because they worked together as a team, they were able to do something together that they could not have done Alone. I want you to notice this verse, Mark chapter 2 and verse 5. The Bible said that when Jesus saw their faith. Notice it's very interesting that Jesus saw their faith. Whose faith? Their faith. The collective faith of this team of four men. The paralytic man was healed that day as a direct result of teamwork. I wonder this morning what in the world could happen at New Bethel if everybody joined the team. What in the world could we do for the cause of Christ if everybody at New Bethel was on the team? Another example of teamwork is the Tower of Babel. Genesis chapter 11 records the account of unsurpassed teamwork. The Bible says that the people got together and they began to work as a team and they began to build a tower The Bible said that would reach into the heavens. And there was such unity and such teamwork that God himself said about them in Genesis 11 and 6. God said about them, these people are so united that nothing that they attempt to do will be impossible for them. Another example of teamwork would be in the feeding of the multitude. In John chapter 6, it records the story of Jesus feeding 5,000 families. Oh, and all you can eat fish buffet with only five biscuits and two perch. 
And how in the world was that possible? How in the world could that possibly be only because of teamwork? You see, I believe that it took Jesus, it took a generous little boy, it took 12 willing disciples, and it took a cooperating crowd in order to pull off this incredible miracle. I believe that if any one of these four ingredients were missing, there would have been no miracle that day. Second thing I want us to look at this morning is let's, let's make an examination. An examination of teamwork. And as we make a close examination of teamwork, there are three obvious things that stick out. When you begin to investigate and examine and look over this thing called teamwork, I think there are three things that, that come to light. Three things that are very, very obvious. And the first thing is that everyone has a place on the team. Everyone has a place on the team. There's a place for everyone on the team. No one need be left out. Let me tell you this morning, if you are not on the New Bethel team, it's not because there's not a place for you. Because everyone has a place on the team. The second observation is not everyone has the same position. Yes, everyone has a place on the team, but not everyone has the same position. And the problem with most teams is most people want the most prominent and the most focused on position. In baseball, it's the pitcher. In football, it would be the quarterback. In basketball, it might be the point guard. In church, it's the pastor or the deacon or the worship team. Yes, everyone has a place on the team, but not everyone has the same position. And understand this this morning, that every position brings with it a different measure, a different amount of pressure, as well as a different amount of authority and responsibility. Sometimes in church there are people who want the same amount of input and authority that the lead pastor has. But they are not willing to carry the stress load that he carries. They're kind of like the backseat driver. They want to tell you where to go. But they don't want to take any responsibility or feel the pressure that the driver feels. The third observation that we make I think is quite obvious and that is every position is productive. Every position is productive. Some positions might be more critical to the success of the team, but the fact remains every position is productive. In baseball, even the best pitcher doesn't strike everyone out. The pitcher needs the other eight players to feel the balls that the opposing team hits. And what would happen to the quarterback if he didn't have an offensive line blocking for him? Jesus was certainly the miracle worker in John chapter 6 when he fed the 5,000 families with the five loaves and the two fish. But how could he have logistically carried out this miracle without the help of his 12 disciples and without the cooperation of the crowd? The little lad didn't have much to offer, just a little boy sack lunch, but, but he was willing to give the little bit that he had over to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Oh, you may not think that your position at New Bethel is all that important, but the truth is every position on the team is productive. Who wants to go to a dirty church? Thus the importance of the janitor. Who wants to go to an unfriendly church? Thus, the importance of the ushers and the greeters and the, and the church members. Who wants to go to a church that only cares about the adults? Thus, the importance of children's workers and, and youth workers. And I could go on and on and on with this line of thought this morning. You see, whether you are a paid staff member or just a regular attender of New Bethel, your place on the team is important. San Francisco Giants manager Bruce Bochy said, we won because of teamwork. That's what he said. When they interviewed him at the end and the winning night of the World Series, he said, we won because of teamwork. He said, our players played together as a team. He said, they played with heart. He said, each player accepted his individual role on the team, whether it was to be an everyday player or someone who only played once or twice a week. Manager Bochy also said, we won because of the fan support. The fan support. He said, we're here and we're winners and we won partly, he said, because, because of the fan support that we received. Hey, fans don't even play on the team. They don't even suit up. They don't even play on the team, but their enthusiastic support makes the players play even harder. There's a thing called home field advantage. You see, the team that is playing on their home field, the team that is playing before their home fans has a clear advantage in the game. Even though fans don't even play, and yet the atmosphere that they create, and the energy that they produce, and the excitement that they generate, all of this fuel the players. It makes good, it makes good players play great. It makes great players play even greater. I don't think you understand it this morning. Oh, do you know how critical and how important that you are to New Bethel? Do you understand how critical, do you understand how important that you are in the service? Your response or your lack of response makes a huge difference. Did you know that you have the power to make your pastor's sermons better or worse than they were prepared? I always prepare the same. I always study the same amount of time and, and I work on my message the same amount of time and I pray over my messages the same amount of time. But some are better than others. Amen. Even though it's all the same preparation but the difference is the response of the people. Let me tell you that I could even preach better in one service than I do the other. And it's the exact same message, the exact same sermon, the exact same notes. But the difference is the atmosphere. The difference is the response of the people. Did you know you have the power to affect the outcome of the worship? By your response or lack of response. As we take a close examination of teamwork, we quickly identify three very obvious things. Everybody has a place on the team. There is a place on the team of New Bethel for everybody. Not everybody has the same position. But every position 
is productive. Let's talk a little bit this morning about some expectations of team members. Did you know that there are some expectations of team members? How many think that, 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 that the Dallas Cowboy football coach, how many think he has some expectations? Well, maybe not enough. How many think that Bruce Bochy, the, the coach, the manager of the San Francisco Giants, World uh, Series champion, how many think he had some expectations of his, of his members on his team? Let's talk about some expectations of team members. First of all, unselfishness. Unselfishness. Spell team with me this morning. T-E-A-M. Somebody spelled a T-E-E-M. No. <laughs> you spell team, T-E-A-M. I want you to notice there is no I in team. You can quote me on that. <laughs> Selfish players make poor team members. I said selfish players make poor team members. The quarterback can't throw every single pass to you. The quarterback can't hand hand off the ball to you every single play. Good team members learn how to share the spotlight with other team members. Pastor Braden is our full-time paid worship leader. But he doesn't lead all the worship. He has other people lead songs besides himself. It's not the Pastor Braden show every Sunday. I'm the lead pastor of New Bethel. But I share my ministry with the other staff pastors and ministry leaders of the church. You see, as a team member uh, on the New Bethel team, you will be called upon to share your ministry with others who desire to minister in the same ministry field that you minister in. The truth be known, we are all more effective in ministry if we have a little short break every once in a while. How many understand that a rested and refreshed team member will be more effective than a stressed out, overworked, burned out one will? And even if you're not overworked or burned out this morning, a short break just might keep you from burning out. But besides all of that, other people need to be used as well. Another expectation of team members is understanding. Understanding a good team member will understand that he cannot have his way every single time. A good team member will understand what his role is and what it is not. You see, each position has a different role to play. And the players on the team must understand that their role is not to make decisions for the team. That's the role of the manager. The second baseman doesn't determine or make the decision of whether they're going to steal second base or not. Even the batter up at the plate, when he's up at the plate, he doesn't even make his own decision, but must wait to get the sign from the coach, whether or not he's going to take, whether he's going to bunt, whether he's going to hit away. The number one problem in the American church today is between the pastor and the church board. We don't have that problem. 
at New Bethel. And the reason why that we don't have a problem in this area is because that our board understands the difference between their role as a deacon and my role as lead pastor of New Bethel. You see, a good team member, whether that team be a sports team, a church board, a marriage, a ministry, an employment situation, whatever team you might be talking about, a good team member member will understand both what their role is on that team and what it is not. We're talking about expectations of team members. Let's notice another one this morning. How about a, a unique contribution? You see, although each team member will contribute something different to the team, yet each team, team member should contrib- contribute. I've told you in the past about the man who called the church and, and asked, me, uh, uh, asked me what my church had to offer his family. And I told him about all of the ministry opportunities, all that were available and would be available to him and his family if they chose to come and be a part of my church. But when I got through with that, then I asked him what he and his family had to contribute and offer my church. Because you see, it's a two-way street. A good team member will have a unique contribution to make to his team. Coach Bochy of the San Francisco Giants said that his team made it to the World Series because of the unique contribution that each one of his players made to the team. He said, we didn't get here because of one or two superstars. He said, we got here because each and every member of the team contributed something. He said every day it was somebody different. He said one day it might be the pitcher who had amazing stuff that day and struck out half of the batters. The next day he said it might be a key hit key hit that somebody got in a key situation. They made a clutch hit and helped us win the game. The next day he said it might be a miraculous defensive play that somebody made and saved the game. Coach Bochy said it was the combined effort and contribution of the entire team plus the coaches and even the fans. And together they made an unbeatable team. Notice one more expectation of a good team member and that is unwavering loyalty. Unwavering loyalty. A good team member doesn't tell the opposing team what their secret signs are. They don't blow a play on purpose in order to cause their team to lose. They don't criticize their manager or talk bad about another member on their team. They don't refuse to follow the plan of the leader. Good team members don't do this. Sometimes in church we are our own worst enemy. When we criticize our leaders. When we negatively affect other team members by influencing them by what we say or what we do. Let me help you out a little bit this morning. You don't have to say out loud everything that you are thinking I said, you don't have to say out loud everything that you are thinking. Let me 
help you out a little bit this morning. If you've got a problem with something, don't influence other people by talking about it. Don't use public domain where, where anyone and everybody can see it or hear it. You won't do this if you're a good team member. What do you do? You go to the person in charge of whatever it is and very nicely and very politely state your concern and then leave it at that. Be a loyal team member. I'll work for unity. Use wisdom and common sense. Now, I know there's people right now poking each other and saying, what's, who's he talking about? What's he talking What's going on? I know I've been around ministry and in ministry my whole life. I used to have a man in my church in Midland. I would say and do something or preach something like this. He'd come to me after church. All right, what's going on, Pastor? What's going on? And I'll tell you what I told him. Nothing's going on, dog. I want to keep it that way. I don't wait till something's sick and then try and medicate it. I try and do some preventive medicine. Amen. And if there is something going on, well, the Lord knows about it. Hey, keep what's best for the team in mind in everything that you say and everything that you do. This is what is expected of a good team member. All right, let's look at one more thing this morning. Let's talk about experiences of teamwork. Experiences of teamwork. How many understand that it's fun to be on a team? It's fun to be on a team. Life is more fulfilling when you're on a team. My family is a team. My staff is a team. My board, we are a team. My church is a team. Let me tell you this morning, so much more can be accomplished when we work as a team. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 30 says, One can chase a thousand, but two, two, a team. One can chase a thousand, but a team, a team of two can put not two thousand, but ten thousand to fly. A team doesn't just double something, but the effort of a team, it'll be ten times more. Ecclesiastes chapter four and verse nine says two or a team are better than one. Why? Because they have a good reward for their labor. Verse 12, and a threefold cord or an even bigger team is not quickly broken. You see alone, you and I can do very, very little for the work of God, but together, together as a team, oh, we can do unbelievable things together. Let me tell you this morning, I, I don't want to build a bigger building and grow a bigger church just so I can brag to my pastor friends how big my church is. My church is bigger than your church. Nanny, nanny, boo, boo. No, actually, if truth be known, more people means more problems. 
More people means more problems. More, more people means more headaches. Means more work. The truth of the matter is it would be easier on me if our church became smaller. Not bigger. Hear me this morning. Hear my heart. I want to build bigger buildings. I want to grow a larger church so that I can do more for the kingdom of God. I've been in ministry now for 38 years full time. And I'm asking God daily in my prayer time for Him to help me do more for the kingdom in the next 10 years than I've done in the past 38 years combined. That's going to be four times as much in the next 10 years. Most of you didn't clap because you understand. That if that happens, I'm going to need an incredible team. If I'm going to do more for the kingdom of God in the next 10 years than I have the past 38 years combined, that means I'm going to need an incredible team that is totally unified and focused and heading in the right direction and on the same page and everybody pulling together and everybody on the same team. Would you like to be a part of my team? Hopefully. You already are. Let me close this morning by by talking about two experiences of teamwork. We're talking about experiences. Number one is winning. And everybody likes to win. Winning isn't isn't a hard experience. Most people can handle winning. I like to win. Winning is exciting. Winning is fun. Oh, it gets the adrenaline running high. Makes you feel good about yourself when you win. Recently, I took a couple of guys and we went out of town and played golf together. And we were going to spend the entire day playing golf together. And we were in my car and we were uh, 40 miles away from, from our home. And I told the guys that were playing with me, I said, You notice I drove. I said, we ain't going home until I win. And they didn't believe me, so they beat me on round one. So we played round two. And I won round two, which by was the championship round. I forgot to tell them that. I, ra- I won round two. Evidently, they wanted to go home. I like to win. I was just jesting, of course, having, having fun with them. Everybody likes to win. Winning's fine. It's not hard to experience winning. Can you imagine the atmosphere in the house when the paralytic in Mark 2 got up off of his stretcher, threw it over his shoulder and walked home? Can you imagine how good his four friends felt? Oh, because of their teamwork and their effort. Their friend who came on a stretcher left with a stretcher on his shoulder. And what was it like in John chapter 6 when Jesus started multiplying the loaves and the fish? Can you imagine the look on the little boy's face as he watched his little sack lunch become a buffet line for 5,000 families? And I can personally tell you that it looks pretty good to me every Sunday morning. 
to look out over the crowd in two separate services and see both of these services fall while remembering how it once was. The thrill of victory is sweet. Let me tell you, New Bethel, we're winning. Pastor Braden, would you just come by yourself this morning? We're out of time. Teams don't always win. I said teams don't always win. Another experience of teamwork is losing. Teams don't always win. Plans don't always work out the way you thought they would. But here's the good news. Win or lose... Win or lose, if you're a good team member, you're going to enjoy just being on the team. The closeness, the camaraderie, the commitment. Hey, our Texas Rangers lost in the World Series, but what a fun ride it was. Yeah. Talking about the value of teamwork this morning. Would you stand with me this morning? We're out of time, but hear me this morning and hear my heart today. New Bethel has unbelievable potential. We have only scratched the surface of what is possible for us at New Bethel. I want you to hear me this morning. I am making a commitment to you. I am making a commitment to you, New Bethel, to be the best possible leader of this team that I can possibly be. And I'm asking you today. I'm asking you today to make the same commitment to me as a member of the team as I'm making to you as a leader. I'm asking you to be the very best team member that you can possibly be. An unselfish team member. It can't always be just about you. And you can't always have the limelight. An understanding team member. So many things we have to understand. A team member who offers this team a unique contribution. One man said that he felt his calling in life was to sit on the front row and shout amen and hallelujah when the preacher was preaching. I want to tell you, I've looked for that person at many a time. member with unwavering loyalty. Now, I don't expect you to like everything about the team and everything about what's going on. We're all different. We all have our own ways and our own thoughts and our own preferences. And when it gets down to it, most of the time, it's only preference. I don't think Coach Bochy should have took that pitcher out in the ninth inning. He had struck out, I forget, but 12 batters. Who knows what this 
relief guy's going to do. I don't think he should have done it. Well, evidently he'd done pretty good in making decisions in the past because he led them to the World Series. So I'm thinking, I don't know if I would have done it either, but he's the coach. I'm not. He's had pretty good success this year. He's got us here. I think I'll trust him. I don't know. I don't know about this. I don't know. I don't know. But you know what? Look where we're at right now. Look where we're at. Look where we were. Wavering loyalty to the leadership, members, one another. Amen. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning and respond because every Sunday there are people that raise their hands and leave here and don't do one thing about what they committed to. So I'm not asking you to do that. 